1: Well, on the screen behind me is a picture of my mom and my dad. Um, Sorry, next picture. That's not my mom. We'll get to them in a minute. This is my mom and my dad. Um, Rob and Sue Mills. They they live in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, They've gotten to come and visit here. Some of you have gotten to meet them and gotten to know them a little bit. Um, I love my parents. I love my parents. They definitely are not perfect. They are not perfect parents. And I'm definitely not a perfect son, but I love them. A picture you just saw. Thanks, Jamie. You're the best. Uh, This is my siblings. This is me with my siblings, my brother, my twin younger sisters. I was the baby for eight years until they showed up and changed my life forever. So I'm not bitter. I'm over it, right? But I'm a middle child. I'm a middle child. Middle children are the most well-rounded. Are there any middle children in the room that just want to get blessed for a minute? I see that hand. All right. I love my siblings. I love them. Uh, we, we are so, so different, so different, but, but I, I love them. They have some crazy stories about me, and I have some crazy stories about them. That's why we have to be pretty nice to each other. We've got a lot of dirt on each other. Uh, some of the crazy stories they could tell about me, they could tell about the time that I tried to sleepwalk and dive into the hotel pool. Sleepwalk, dive into the hotel pool. They could tell that story. They could tell the story of uh, when I was being baptized and uh, actually, my sisters couldn't tell the story. They weren't there yet. My brother could. Uh, I was so focused on how important this moment was that I sneezed right in the pastor's face as I was being baptized. Um, my family could tell a story about first time I drove a go-kart on like a track. And uh, I was driving and going around and going around, and it was time to stop. And the worker who was coming out to tell me to stop, I didn't stop. He had to literally dive off the track face first into the grass so I didn't run over him. I think he's fine now. I think he's okay. But my family, they could tell some stories about me. Uh, next picture is also my family. Uh, Lauren and our, and our four kiddos this last summer doing something that we love to do at the beach. I love, I love these guys so, so much. And I could tell you some stories about them, but man, they, they could tell you some far worse stories about me. Listen, family, family is important. Yeah, my family is important to me, but this isn't just about me. This is about you, Uh, your family. Family matters. Family matters. And that's why we're choosing to spend the month of September talking about family. We've entitled our series Family Values. Listen, if you you didn't get to be with us this summer, we spent uh, eight weeks actually talking about the seven churches and Revelation. And if you didn't get to be here for some of that, I would love to encourage you to go back and listen. It was a deep journey. It was a deep journey, an important journey for us. But but two words, the Lord taught me a lot, but two words that just stood out for me from that series in Revelation was Revelation 2.10. I've shared this time and time again. You're sick of hearing it. But there's two words, be faithful. The words of Jesus, to the church, he really said it time and time again, but he says it specifically in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, be faithful. I don't know about you, but I wanna be faithful. I wanna be faithful. And so what does that mean in regards to my family? What does that mean in regards to our family, those relationships that matter most to us? What does it mean to be faithful? That's really what this series is about. What does it mean for you if you're married? What does it mean for you to be faithful if you're a parent, what does it mean for you to be? If you're a sibling, a grandparent, the world's best aunt, what does it mean to be faithful as a son, as a daughter? That's really what we want to dive into over the next several weeks. That's what the series is all about being faithful today with my family, with your family. And the Lord wants to help us. The Lord wants to help us. But this is not just self-help. There's a lot of books, thousands of books, that you could read uh, about helping yourself in, in relationships, especially with your family. But this series is not self-help. This is God's help, God's help for us. And so I want to start with two foundational truths. Uh, if you have your YouVersion version Bible app today, they're listed there. Um, these are powerful truths. But they're not truths that you've never heard before. In fact, I'm going to put them on the screen and you're going to say, really? We came for this? But hang with me. I think these are foundational to a series like this. First is this. I want you to know that everyone has family. Stop rolling your eyes. I know. I know. This is important. Listen, listen. This series will look different for each of us because our context of family is different, isn't it? For some of you, this journey is going to look very specific because you're you're married or you have kids living at home. Or for others, it's going to look very different because you're an empty nester or you're not married. Or right, right. But every single one of us has family, and those relationships matter. Those relationships matter. But but second, and this is really the the point I want to get to, is that family is messy. You could turn to your neighbor right now, give you permission, turn to your neighbor and just say, family is messy. Family is messy. It won't get you in trouble. You're just repeating what I told you to say, right? Turn to your neighbor and just say, family is messy. Some of you are getting more blessed right now than you have in a while. But listen, it's true. It's okay to admit family is messy. You already know there is no normal family. You know that, right? You know that, right? Yes, it's true. You can nod your head like this. There's no such thing as normal. My family is crazy and your family is crazy too. Family is messy. Even the families that look so good on that Christmas card, the next time you see that Christmas card, look them in the eye and say, you're crazy too. I know you are, right? Because family is messy. And some of us in the room are honest to admit, I need help with my family. I need help. It's hard. It's challenging. I love them, but man, it's challenging, right? Right? Some of us can admit that we know we're supposed to love them, but sometimes it's hard to tolerate. I mean, come on, we can be honest about that. But listen, for others, seriously, this topic is painful because for you, family signifies loss. You're thinking about somebody who's no longer here with us anymore, someone in your family that's no longer present with us. For some of you, this idea, this topic of family is all you can think about is the brokenness in your family, the brokenness of those relationships, and it just hurts. And so I want to acknowledge all of that as the foundation as we move forward. But for every person who finds themselves in any of those categories, I want you to know this. I want you to know that there is help and there is hope because of God's word. God's word has given us help for our families, for those relationships that matter and are really messy. And God has also given us hope. There's hope today. Not my hope, Not not his hope, his hope for us and our families. Listen, uh, as we go back in scripture, we see that family was God's idea. God's idea. We didn't create it. It wasn't a cultural creation. It wasn't our idea. Way even back in Genesis, it's this beautiful creation account, but we see creation of God saying, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us to do relationship, to do life alone. And so Eve is created, and at that is this foundation, this understanding of establishing deep connection, which is what family is all about. Later, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's giving instructions to husbands and wives. He's trying to help them out, and he refers back to this moment, this creation moment, God creating and establishing connection, family. Over these next few weeks, we've called this series Family Values because we're going to identify some characteristics that can help us in our families in those relationships those that we love the most but sometimes are hardest to love so today we begin we begin by focusing on really the most essential component of godly healthy family if today you're serious about saying oh lord i need help with my family i need help with these relationships in my life today we're going to begin this journey on really the most essential component and that is christ Christ. It shouldn't be shocking that we kick off a series on families talking about what does it mean to center our families on Christ. The Bible is filled with instructions on family. We see it, right? We see it, the Ten Commandments, right? has instructions on honoring your father and mother. The Shema, which we'll get to in this series, is this beautiful declaration in Deuteronomy. It was used when they gathered in worship. They would recite these words over and over again. And in the Shema in Deuteronomy is this instruction to teach children about the truth of the Lord. Recite with them often God's truth, his faithfulness. Even in the Psalms, Psalm 68 says this, God sets the lonely in family. So God's Word has a lot to say about family, but what does it mean to center our family on Christ? What does it mean that those relationships in our family are focused on Christ? It means a lot practically, and really the rest of the series is going to flesh out that idea. But I want to be really specific today because for me, this series is about action. It's about how, how can we take action in our families, in our relationships, according to God's Word. And so today I want to be most specific. I believe I believe to center our families on Christ is to center on his Christ-like love. His love present in us and poured out through us into our families. It's not surprising to talk about love, the love of Christ, right? Look with me at John 15. I've got it on the screen, and you can open up your copy of Scripture today. I want you to hear from the mouth of Jesus these words, these words that are meant to help us today, to give us life, to give us hope. Listen, uh, John 15, verse 9 says this, as the Father, this is Jesus talking, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, and then listen to this command, now remain in my love. We're going to get to the rest of the passage in a minute, but Jesus is speaking about the Father's love, which has been poured into him, and now, and now, he's commanding that that love be poured out through us. And this word, remain in my love, that, that word is really important. It's the, in the Greek, that's this word for abiding. It's the same word in Matthew 26 when Jesus tells his disciples, stay here, stay here, and keep watch with me. That's that idea of abide. It's an intentional dwelling, an intentional staying, a setting up shop here with purpose, right? That's what the words of Jesus say. To remain in my love is to dwell in, stay here and remain in my love. It's an invitation of intentionality and purpose. What does that mean then, to remain in his love? Well, let's keep reading. If Jesus said, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and I remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this. Listen, Jesus reiterates, doesn't he? Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Do you hear the words of Jesus there? Love each other as I have loved you. And man, that includes our families. <laughs> They're not excluded from that, are they? Love each other as I have loved you. It really begs the question, well, how did Christ love? How did he love? If we're supposed to love as he loved, then, then how did he love? That's, that's really the question. See, the question is not if I'm loved. We, we know we're supposed to love our families. We know. That's hard. That's hard what's the joke? We don't get to pick our family, right? Right. But we know we're supposed to love them, so that's not really the issue today. The question is really, how am I loving them? Not if, but how. How am I loving my family? And, and does the love that I have, the love that I have for my family, is it reflective of the love of Christ? You've heard of 1 Corinthians 13. You've heard it read at weddings or, you know, anniversary cards. You, you've seen it printed all over the place. But when the Apostle Paul wrote these words, it was never intended to describe a perfect marriage, though it's relevant to marriage, right? Paul's words were meant to set the standard of love, a radical standard of Christ-like love. And so as you hear these words that I'm going to read from, from 1 Corinthians 13, I want you to picture your family. I want you to picture the relationships in your life that matter the most as you hear this radical standard of love. Ready? Love is patient. We're talking about how Christ loved, aren't we? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy and it does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Love always protects and always trusts and always hopes and always perseveres. Love never fails. This is how we've been loved by the Lord. This is how he is loved. A Christ-like love. And so as we reflect on 1 Corinthians 13, I think it's helpful to think in kind of two categories. First... Love that embraces. That's what Paul is pointing here to. Look, look back in the text with me. Love that embraces. Embraces what? Well, love that embraces patience and kindness and truth. It rejoices in the truth. That's what, that's what Paul says, right? So, so the kind of love that we're talking about, the Christ-like love in our relationships, embraces these things. It embraces resilience because it always protects. It embraces trust and hope. And even endurance, right? As Paul says that it always perseveres. It never fails. The love that we're talking about, this Christ-like love, embraces endurance. But also the love that we read about, the Christ-like love, it resists. What do you mean it resists? Well, look again. It resists envy and boasting. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It resists arrogance. Listen, Christ-like love resists the temptation to be arrogant it resists rudeness and selfishness it's not self-seeking it resists anger that's what first corinthians 13 says it resists resentment because it keeps no record of wrongs it resists evil it doesn't delight in evil so so this love the, the standard of love that we're talking about embraces and resists what a standard And truthfully, right, truthfully, if we're grading ourselves, if you went through 1 Corinthians and graded yourself, well, I won't say what your grade is, but I will say my grade would not be good in my own strength, in my own power. This is an impossible standard, right? To do all of that apart from his power and his strength. Really, it, it is impossible to love in the way Christ calls us to love without his power at work in us. Remember, remember Jesus' call. His call was to remain in my love. What does that mean? It means we experience his love. We let it wash over us. We let it fill us. And then his command is love each other as I have loved you. In other words, you can't love each other as I have loved you if you don't first remain in my love. If you don't experience his love, receive his love. Some of us, some of us, we really have trouble believing that God loves us. We really have trouble receiving the love of the Father unconditional love. And so because of that, we can't love other people because we haven't received his love. That's why the order of Jesus's instructions are important. He says, remain in my love, receive it, experience it, let it fill you. And then once you are filled with my love, now love each other as I have loved you. That's an important, that's an important command, an important instruction when it comes to our family. Listen, as I was looking at this standard again, I was considering me. How, how I love. Am I embracing patience and kindness? Parents, after a long day, when you really just want all the kids to get in bed, how are you embracing patience and kindness? I'm preaching to myself a little bit there. Am I, am I, I as I was reading, I was thinking, reflecting, am I embracing truth? Do I believe, do I believe God's promises for my family? What about the one in my family who's lost or difficult to love? Do I believe God's truth, God's promises about them? Because love embraces truth, right? Do I embrace resilience in the ways that I love? Am I committed, unwavering, choosing to love? I use that word intentionally, right? We choose. It's a daily choice. I'm going to keep loving and I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep choosing to love because I'm embracing a love that's resilient. That's what God's word says. Am I embracing trust and hope? Do I love in such a way that I believe God can and will work? Even when you don't see it in your relationships yet, right? Even when you don't see it happening and you're still loving because you're choosing to embrace trust and hope. Are you embracing, am I embracing a love that endures even when it's hard? We see less and less of that in the world today, don't we? A love that endures even when it's hard. It will be hard, right? I was thinking uh, this week a lot about my dad. I showed him a picture earlier, a a picture of him and my mom. And I've shared uh, with some of you his health journey. He's been very open about that. He had to step back from ministry. Um, Just recently he pastored uh, for for many, many years and he had to step back because of his health. Um, He's dealing with what's called pulmonary fibrosis, which if if you don't know anything about that, I didn't. Um, Basically, his lungs are just deteriorating more and more and more over time. It's not through anything that he's done. We have no idea what's caused it. It's just what he has. And so he's on oxygen all the time. And unless the Lord heals him, which we believe is possible, um, we believe he can do. But unless the Lord heals him, we know that his days on this earth are numbered. We know, uh, we try not to Google it for a diagnosis, right? But we know uh, we have less time with him now than, than we ever have. And so to see my dad suffering is hard. To see my mom Suffering. My mom uh, is doing a lot for him. She's having to care for him a lot, but she's also just struggling with how it impacts her. It challenges me. It challenges me as a son. As I think about the command here, as I think about the perfect love of Christ, what it means to embrace patience, to embrace truth in the way that I love my parents right now. How to care for them how to interact with my siblings because we're grieving too and figuring out how to, how to love our parents well and how to care for them. And, and it, there's all kinds of opportunities. You know this, right? And families for conflict when that stuff happens. And so I'm constantly, as I was looking over this week and studying and preparing, thinking, Lord, how am I embracing your love? for my siblings, for my family, for my mom, for my dad. The reality that my dad may not be with us much longer, but instead of that causing me to be anxious and afraid, instead, instead the question for me today is how am I loving? How am I loving in response to that? That's what it means for me, I, I believe, to be a son focused on Christ, centered on him. Is that his Christ-like love fills me and how I love my dad, how I love my mom, how I love my family in what's proving to be a difficult season for us. Look, I'm not the only one, right? I'm not the only one that's experiencing challenges in my family. But how are you embracing love? And then also, remember, 1 Corinthians 13 calls us to resist. So, so how am I resisting envy in my family? Not giving jealousy a foothold. How am I resisting being boastful or arrogant? Do I love in such a way that I resist being rude? It's hard. What's the saying? Home is the place you go when you're tired of being nice. Ouch. Ouch. What about anger? Being easily angered. I've had to apologize to my kids, especially, on more than one occasion, because just so quick to anger. Love resists that. The love of Christ resists that resisting the lies and the deceit of the evil one right his love in us resists evil so the question today for me and for all of us how how am i loving how am i loving those that god has entrusted me to love because really there's there's probably no better description than family than that the people that god has entrusted us to love as i was thinking again about this journey and honestly, as I was preparing for this series, Pastor Jared, who serves faithfully at our East Rock campus, we just celebrated. Uh, as Pastor Olivia shared, eleven baptisms last week. God is working and moving across all our campuses, but but it's so cool to see what God's doing there in Elkton. And Jared and I were preparing this week and just talking, and I, I just had to be honest. I was not real excited to get up here and begin a series on families. Jared and I chuckled. He's like, would you have ever thought we'd be begging to go back to Revelation? But I'm here to tell you, I would have rather got up here today. Like, let's go back to Revelation. Some of you would be like, oh, and I'd be like, who Because listen, a series like this is hard. And, and it's really easy, one of the greatest, you might think because I'm up here that I've got some kind of expertise on families. I've got it all figured out. And I'm just here to tell you that's so wrong. <laughs> it's so wrong. That, that I, I've shared many times with you, one of the things that I, I deal with in my life a lot is feeling inadequate, and man, that that applies to family for me. That the lie of the enemy that you're not enough, and, and truthfully, in my own strength, knowing that I'm not enough, that, that is so true when it comes to family. I was thinking about the different hats, that, and you have different hats when it comes to your family, right? I was thinking about being a husband. Man, I am not an expert, and I have made mistakes, but being a good husband, being a godly husband matters to me. But in my own strength, I, I can't do it. I can't. Being a father, I say often, I believe this, that being a father is one of the most rewarding things I get to do, but absolutely one of the hardest. And I know not everybody in here is a parent, but for me, it's just been so true that I have not been a perfect father and I've needed grace. I was thinking this week about a story of a time that this really happened. I stranded all four of my kids and me in a parking lot for hours because I locked the keys in the van while it was running. And uh, it took hours, I'm not kidding, it took hours for us to get back into the vehicle. So there we were in the parking lot of the soccer field for hours, needless to say, I, my kids have had to extend a lot of grace to me. More of you, that you get to know me, you're like, amen to that, because you're, yeah. My kids, listen, they've had to extend a lot of grace to me, because I, man, I'm not a perfect father. I've already shared about being a son. I don't call enough. I, I live a couple hours from my parents. I don't see them, enough. I know those things. I know they're so gracious and kind, but I know in these days, I'm struggling to know what does it mean to be a good son, a godly son to my parents, being a brother. I love my siblings but we're so different. We don't agree on everything. My one sister lives out of state. My other siblings live a couple hours away. I'm constantly feeling like I could be a better brother to them. And so please hear me. I'm not coming up here today to spout all all of the expertise I have on faith. I'm here to join you in the journey and saying, man, God, I need your help. I need your truth. I need your hope as I journey I don't know all the hats that you wear. I don't know all the things that family means to you. I don't know the challenges that you face. And many of you face harder challenges than I could even know. But listen, there's an enemy that hates family. We see it in Scripture, right? The first thing we read about in Genesis after the first family was the enemy's attack on the family. So it's not an over-exaggeration to admit that the enemy hates family. He hates a series like this. He, he wants our families to be disjointed and hurt and hurting and fractured and doesn't want the love of Christ to be the foundation of those relationships. Listen, there's a whole lot today, as you think about your family, there's a whole lot today you can't control. A whole lot. In fact, some of us do more damage just trying to control. I've, I've been there. I've done that. We're trying to control the people, and that doesn't work, Right? There's a whole lot, as we talk about this in the coming weeks, that you can't control. But the one thing I believe we can do, one thing that every single one of us can do in this room today, is we can commit to say, God, I want, I want Christ-like love poured out of my life into my family. I'm not going to get it right every time. I haven't gotten it right every time. It would be really easy for the, the shame of the past, the mistakes of the past, the mess that I have made, how difficult the, the future might seem. It would be really easy for all of that to paralyze me into doing nothing, to believing that. I, but, but one thing I can do today is I can choose to make your Christ-like love the foundation of my life and of my home and of my family. I can choose my next breath to be filled with your presence, the overflow of your presence in me. I can choose moment by moment from this day forward. I can't do anything about the past, but I can choose from this day forward that your holy love would so fill me and pour out of me that it would become the standard. It would become the foundation. Because listen, grandparents, that's what your family needs from you. Moms and dads, that's what your family — aunties, uncle, that's what your sons, daughters, that's what your family needs from you. Christ-like love poured out. What did Jesus say? Remain in my love and now love one another as I have loved you." That's really the question today, right? How How am I loving? How am I loving? I'm going to invite you to stand, and the band is going to come, and they're going to help us. But would you stand now to your feet? I'm going to spend a minute praying with you and for you about a topic that many, some of us in the room are honest enough to admit we need, and maybe others in the room. It's hard. It's painful. But today, his presence, his spirit is here, and he wants to help you. He wants to give you hope. If you feel hopeless today as we talk about your family, that's not the word of the Lord for you today. That's not his desire for you today. He wants to give you hope. And he wants to fill you with his love in such a way that it becomes the standard. It becomes the foundation from this day forward. So I want to invite you right where you are. Would you just bow your heads? Would you just... Be honest before the Lord at where you're at today, how you're feeling. And listen, our feelings don't dictate everything, but I think in a series like this, our feelings matter because maybe you're feeling tired or weary. Maybe you're feeling ashamed of of mistakes in the past. Maybe you're feeling hopeless. And today, just bring that before the Lord. Invite Him into that. If you're frustrated today, just tell Him that. If you're exhausted today, just tell Him that if you're struggling to embrace this Christ-like love and to resist the things that would compete against that today, just tell him that. He's he's here and he loves you. I really wanna pray two things right now and I I wanna invite everybody to join me in these prayers first. I wanna pray that we today would receive his love, that we would remain in his love. And I don't take for granted that every person in this room has done that or is living that way right now. So everybody in the sound of my voice, I'm going to let you get in on this prayer. Are you ready? Lord Jesus, we love you. And we receive the fact that you love us. We don't understand that, but today we choose to remain in your love, to to receive your unconditional love for us, pour it out into our hearts right now, whether for the first time or the next time. Lord, we need your love. You've loved us, and today we admit that, we receive that, we don't run from that, we don't push back against it. We thank you for loving us. Even when we were sinners, even when we were far from you, we were your enemies, God, you loved us. And today we receive that love, we remain in that love. That's the first prayer for all of us today, receiving his love. And the next is this, Lord, now help us. As we receive your love, we give your love. (laughs) It pours out of us. It it drips out of us. It flows out of us. And and Lord, we got to come back to get refilled time and time again because we run dry. Because the stresses of our relationships, the stresses of this world, the uncertainty of tomorrow, God's hard. And so we come to you now as you fill us, Lord. We commit to making your love the foundation from this day forward. We're not going to live in the past. We're not going to be overwhelmed by grief. And, and, and shame and guilt from the past. We're gonna to choose today to remain in your love and now to allow that love to flow out of us. Oh Lord, we need your help with that. It's not about it's not about us being stronger. It's not about us being superheroes and, and just rising above. Lord, it's, it's allowing your love, surrendering to your love in such a way that you spill out of us. And so I pray today in this room for broken and hurting families. I pray in this room for those that feel lonely. They feel like they don't have anyone. They feel like a series like this can't be for them. I pray that you would do new work in our family as we commit as we commit to make your love the foundation. As we commit today in this moment to allow your love to spill out of us, Lord, would you do a new thing in our hearts and in our lives and in Those relationships, Lord, we give them to you now. We lay them at your feet. We're not going to try to control other people, Lord, but we're going to commit to do what we can do today, and that's make your love our foundation. As we worship you, as we cry out to you, as we spend time praising your name, exalting you, Lord, I just pray that hope would rise up in this room that you would do a new thing in us. We give you permission, Lord to do a new work in us. We give you permission to do a new thing in our families as we surrender to you. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen.
0: Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at C-O-T-N-A-Z dot org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, Please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.